0: Welcome to another episode of the Granite List Live, where we explore all things related to benefits and human capital.
1: I'm Lee Dill. And I'm Sally Pace. Today we're going to talk about the employer perspective, and we're joined by Christy Upshaw Travis. Now, Christy, you wear a number of both local and national hats, so do you mind just starting off by telling us a little bit about the roles you play on both the local and national level?
2: Sure. Well, I'm the CEO of the Memphis Business Group on Health, and we work with self-insured employers in the Memphis market, as well as across Tennessee, on their health and health benefits for their employees. I'm also on the board of the LeapFrog Group, which I hope everybody's familiar with. We focus on transparency of quality and safety information for use by employers and their employees and families and the general public when they are looking to select a hospital or an ambulatory surgery center. I also serve on the board of the National Quality Forum, where we actually look at, review, and endorse quality measures. And then I'm a proud member of the National Alliance of Healthcare Purchaser Coalitions, where we work with business groups like the Memphis Business Group on Health around the country.
1: So you are not bored. And you also no, <laughs> yeah, You also have your finger on the pulse, like I said. You know, n- local and national. So let's talk about that. You know, we're we're heading into the second half of the year, and certainly beyond. And most larger employers are starting to look at what we refer to as planning season. What are they going to keep, and what are they going to change? So, what trends do you see that employers should focus on right now?
2: Well, I've really been focused on this because we're planning our conference for this summer and. What we're gonna focus on is something that I think employers, especially health benefit professionals, really need to zero in on right now, which is the role of health benefits in employee recruitment and retention. And I think that is critical because with 43 million people quitting their jobs in 2021 and 66% saying they're still considering quitting their jobs, I don't know an employer either in my market or nationally that isn't really strategically standing back and saying, what can I do through health benefits to really retain my critical talent that I have now and then to recruit in case some of that talent decides to go elsewhere. So we know that the reason that employees are quitting is they want better pay better work-life balance, and they want better benefits. So I think health benefit professionals touch and really have a lot of influence over at least two of those and some all three. So that's what I'm really focused on trying to get employers to think about both the short-term and the long-term ways in which they can position benefits for recruitment and retention.
0: Can you give us some example? I know recruitment and retention is such a big topic right now and we talked to a number of different vendors you know trying to fill that void and keeping their great talent um, at the employer level there. Is it voluntary benefits? Is it richer medical benefits? Can you give us some examples of what you're proposing to some of these employers?
2: Sure and of course the answer to your question is all of the above but I've kind of narrowed it down to three that I think are critical One, employees are looking for affordable benefits. I mean, at the end of the day, if they can't make their payroll deduction at a reasonable rate to get health insurance benefits or they can't afford the deductible or the co-pays, it's really not much of a benefit for them. So although it's still basic blocking and tackling, I think employers have to become laser-focused on how they make their health insurance benefits affordable to their employees. And yes, that does look at how much they shift on the cost of the benefits through payroll and co-pays and deductibles, but it also means paying attention to the fundamentals. So one of the fundamentals that I think employers really need to focus in on is do they have an effective primary care strategy? Most employers that I've worked with understand the importance of primary care. But it's kind of just part of the network. It's part of the general benefit design. They may have a lower co-insurance or co-pay for primary care. But the real issue is getting employees to have a primary care physician and knowing that that primary care physician is one that can help manage both the cost and quality of care for those employees. So, for example, what are the referral patterns that that primary care practice has when someone needs specialty care? Are they handling within their primary care practice uh, what they are really trained to do at the top of their license, if you will, versus referring out when they can actually handle it at the primary care level? Are they looking at their information and data on how their patients are actually doing so they can do their own quality improvement? Have they integrated behavioral health into their primary care practice? These are all aspects of primary care that employers need to really understand how that's being delivered to their employees. So that's one example is really looking at effective primary care I've seen that happen in a couple of ways. One is through the employer obviously offering their own work site clinics um, in a way, becoming their own primary care practice for their employees. And for some people, that will make a lot of sense for some employers. And then they can be in control of how that practice actually does its business. They won't provide it themselves. They'll contract with someone. But... It's a purchase arrangement, and they'll be sure that there are performance guarantees built into that. The other way is to really look at health systems and the primary care practices that they own, quite honestly, and holding them accountable to meet some of the characteristics and features that I just described. So it's really being more actively involved in primary care than just assuming that the practices will actually provide the level of care that employees need.
1: You just mentioned accountability. What role do you think the employer does play, or what role could they play in holding providers
2: accountable? Well, I think that could be in a, in a number of ways, one of which is actually having some meaningful performance guarantees in your contracts. The reality of the situation is, although some employers have some what appear to be pretty hefty performance guarantees, it's not that much money at the end of the day to the plan or to the providers to pay the penalty. And that's what we've seen is sometimes it's easier to pay the penalty than to do the work that you'd have to do not to um, owe the penalty. So I think it really needs to be in meaningful performance guarantees. If you're doing direct contracting with primary care, as an example, you get that opportunity. If you're going through a health plan, I think it's really sitting down with your health plan to identify your priority. And if primary care is is one of those priorities, and I encourage it to be, then really having a candid conversation with the health plan around performance guarantees and Also, another way to kind of think about it is to, in your RFP process, to really unearth, if you will, and peel back the onion and understand how active is the health plan actually in the provider community, organizing it in such a way that it can meet that performance expectation for the employer.
1: Sorry to harp on this or drill down, because Lee, I know you've got questions around some other metrics too, but that sounds like such common sense, but I think, you know, it's been a long time coming as well for employers to really be in that driver's seat. Are you seeing that happen with what I would consider mid-size employers, the, you know, the 500 life groups that are still self-funded, but that aren't the behemoths that are the, you know, the FedExes and the Amazons of the world? Is that realistic? Is it happening?
2: Well, of course, I think that's one of the major roles of business coalitions, and there are about 45 of us around the country. And, you know, I do think that's one of the advantages to being a member of a coalition because the coalition is kind of the collective, and a lot of our members fall into the mid-sized employers. And that's really kind of the sweet spot because we can leverage the larger employers and what they're able to negotiate and what they're able to get through their health plans so that it benefits, if you will, the mid-size employers as well. You know, I think that a lot of this falls on the RFP process. I'll just be honest with you. I think we have relied upon the standard RFP questions for way too long in terms of helping employers of all sizes to select health plans and networks and other key aspects of what they're offering their employees. And we need to modernize the RFP process for the issues that we're dealing with today and the information that really we have access today through a lot of public reporting to really say, okay, let's dig a little deeper and and understand the infrastructure of our networks, not just geo-access and the number of providers.
0: So if there's one question that you would add to the RFP or recommend that employers ask,
2: what would it be? Well, we're probably going to talk about this later, but I'll talk about it now. I mean, one of them, I really would be looking at the hospital and ambulatory surgery networks to see what their LeapFrog Hospital safety grades are. That is totally public information. It's out there. Over 3,000 hospitals across the country have been graded. And I think it's essential for both cost and quality for the employer to understand what level of hospital safety their employees have access to. And instead of just doing geo-access the way we've normally done it, I would do geo-access to an A hospital, geo-access to a B hospital, geo-access to a C hospital, and all the way through F, although, of course, you... You're not as concerned about providing access to an F hospital, but if all you've got in your market or in the network are Cs, Ds, and Fs, then, you know, you've got a challenge. So I don't think plans are used to looking at their networks that way. I know that when we've suggested that employers put that in their RFPs, somehow it doesn't always get in because people are not used to asking those types of questions. I mean, another question, just to throw it out there, this may not be as practical, but it's still a way to lead and let people know what matters to you is how many of your primary care practices integrate behavioral health into their primary care practice. This is a critical component of what we call advanced primary care. But nobody knows which primary care practices actually have integrated behavioral health into their practice. So if you don't know that you as an employee or family member can't navigate toward those primary care practices, but the purchaser, the employer, doesn't really understand how much uh, integration is actually occurring in their primary care networks. If you don't ask the question, they'll say it's not important. I don't know about you all, but I hear all the time, well, none of our clients have ever asked us for that before. So start asking for it. The answers may not be easy right now, and there may not be a lot, but when you start asking for it, you're signaling that it matters to you. If you don't ask, then they will think it doesn't matter.
0: Well, since we had a segue into the hospital ratings, let's talk a little bit more about that. Can you explain what these ratings mean and how the numbers, how the rating system
2: works? Well, I can try. (laughs) <laughs> and that's usually a longer presentation, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, certainly I serve on the LeapFrog board, just as another disclaimer, and so I personally believe that the LeapFrog hospital safety grade is really the gold standard for hospital safety and measuring the safety of care provided in a hospital. One of the reasons I love it is that it's intuitive. You get an A, B, C, D, or F, and the reality is we all understand that. I've laughed before and said when I was in school, my mother would say, as long as you're making an A or a B, then I'm going to leave you alone. You understand what you're doing. You're doing well. If you make a C, well, that means you're not understanding the material quite as well. Maybe you need to study more. But if you're making a D or an F, we're getting you a tutor. I mean, at the end of the day, if, you, if you're at a D or an F, you need some fundamental assistance. Um, or some way to transform your culture and your approach so I think most people understand that an A is better than a B and a B is better than a C and on so forth so I think it makes it quickly clear to both purchasers as employers as purchasers of networks as well as employees who the higher performing hospitals are. And I think that those are the two major groups that we work with. I mean, once again, purchasers really should understand the network that they're offering their employees. I mean, after all, they're providing an incentive for their employees to go to these hospitals and ambulatory surgery centers. They need to understand the quality and safety of care that's being provided in those networks. And then, of course, employees need to make decisions on where to go. I think that we're not quite there yet with employees and families using this information to make decisions, but employers can play a big role in educating their employees. They can also think of benefit design, such as tiered networks that incentivize going to the higher performing facilities. So there are actions employers can take to help their employees and families use this information as well.
1: So, if I pair it back to you, what I have heard you preach—not just today, but other times as well—and we are so aligned—is that employers really are in the driver's seat to both demand cost and quality. It is a expectation that every employer should have. Not, and there has been a a shift toward that you mentioned mental health just thinking of from the employer's perspective are there other components for mental health besides just sending people to a physician or is it just treatment alone in other words are there other programs that can be brought to the to the workplace
2: oh definitely you know there's a lot of work that's been done to really talk about the continuum of uh, mental health or behavioral health as we're talking about it, but it includes emotional health too, which means you don't have a diagnosis of a mental illness or a substance use disorder, but you could be under a significant amount of stress. Um, You could really need some help in managing your day-to-day life and what you're having to face. This is that that aspect of work-life balance that employees have really been saying they're quitting because of. They want to find that work-life balance. And so I think there's a a lot that employers can do before someone has an actual mental health or behavioral health diagnosis to help support their employees, primarily because of the stress, not just from COVID or not just from uh, family situations, not just from working in environments that are very demanding, but also, you know, just thinking about finding that balance. People after COVID are saying, you know what, I'm hanging it up. I'm not, I saw an article that says I'm, not, I'm going to quit working for jerks. You know, that it's kind of like people have put up with a lot and COVID has taught them they don't need to do that. They can step back and they want their employers to care about them individually, and provide support for whatever stage of life they're in, whatever situation they're finding themselves in. This is really another aspect I think that employers need to focus on is personalized benefits. We've been focused on offering the same thing to everybody, and we can do that, but we can personalize even that experience by having someone who is the front door to your benefits having, I love it, when somebody has the only number on the back of their insurance card, and they call that one number, and that person on the other end knows all the different point solutions that the employer may have, can do an assessment, could even do a surface level stress assessment, mental health assessment, actually could look into what the social needs of the employees may be, that stand in the way from them living a healthy life, it's really taking all the solutions that an employer has, making them readily accessible for the employee. And actually not just having a brochure or putting it out on an intranet, but having a person help them identify what benefits they are most in most need of and could benefit from. And that's the personalization. You can offer the same thing to everybody, but what Christy Travis needs And the benefits that I access are going to be different than the ones you need and access. And that's what makes it personal. It's what answers the what's in it for me question when somebody is thinking about going to a different employer or staying, you know, with you, going back to the recruitment and retention. They want to know what's in it for me. Absolutely. Well, we've
1: covered a lot of ground and it's all incredibly valuable, especially coming from that employer's perspective and being the voice of so many employers, not only in the Southeast community, but across the country as well. So I will leave our listeners with this. If you would like to learn more about LeapFrog Group, behavioral health solutions, stress management solutions primary care solutions of all shapes and sizes, please visit thegranitelist.com. We wanna make sure that benefits leaders of all walks have the ability to search and source the best solutions for free. And with that, thank you for listening to another episode of The Granite List Live. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Granite List Live. Access our entire library by visiting your favorite podcast venue or subscribing our site. The granite list dot live